text for this morning's sermon is John 19, verse 17. And he, that's Jesus, went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of his skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For many Christians, Good Friday can be a day of mixed emotions. Considering the terrible suffering that the Lord Jesus went through and the fact that this was made necessary by our sins can make us feel sad or guilty. Yet on the other hand, when we consider what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us by his suffering and death, we rejoice. Good Friday should be a day of celebration for every Christian. It's a highlight on our church calendar. For we may rejoice in the salvation that Jesus Christ has earned for us. Our text this morning is taken from John's Gospel. It's a text that speaks about how the Lord Jesus went out from Jerusalem to Golgotha, where he was crucified. Our focus this morning will not be on Golgotha itself, for we do not know much about this place. Instead, our focus will be on Jesus' action of going out from the city of Jerusalem. This is very significant. Jesus suffered and died outside the gate. He was removed from the people of God, from the city of God, from the dwelling place of God. In a sense, we could say that he was excommunicated because he bore our sins and our iniquities. He was removed from the presence of God. As a sacrifice for our sins, the Lamb of God was led outside the gate to suffer and die on Golgotha. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The Lord Jesus Christ went outside the gate to bear our iniquities at Golgotha. We'll see how Christ bore his cross outside the gate and how we are to take up our cross and follow him. It's interesting to compare the different gospel accounts about the crucifixion and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 27 verse 31 indicates that the soldiers led Jesus away to crucify him. Mark 15, 20 says they led him out to crucify him. Luke 23, 26 mentions they led him away. In each of these Gospels, we see Jesus is a passive figure. He, under the control of the Roman soldiers, is being led away to his crucifixion. Yet John emphasizes something different. He speaks about how Jesus went out bearing his own cross. John describes the Lord Jesus as an active participant in his crucifixion. In his gospel, the Apostle John maintains an emphasis on the fact that the Lord Jesus voluntarily gave up his life for us. 
Jesus was not a helpless victim of circumstances. He was the good shepherd who gave up his life for his sheep. John describes how Jesus went out to the place called Golgotha. When you go out to some place, you leave behind the place where you were. It's important for us to note where Jesus was. John 18, 28 tells us Jesus was tried before Pilate at the Praetorium. The Praetorium was the governor's residence, a fortress within the city of Jerusalem. That's when John says that Jesus went out to a place called Golgotha. He's describing how Jesus went out from Jerusalem on the way to his crucifixion. There's a beautiful parallel that can be drawn between the Lord Jesus Christ and his forefather, David. There's a time in David's life when he too went forth from Jerusalem in great sorrow. It is described for us in 2 Samuel 15. It's a time when Absalom revolted against David and had himself proclaimed king. David fled from Jerusalem in fear of his life. He left behind the royal city of the king because of a conspiracy that his own son had plotted against him. Some of David's chief men had turned against him. Shimei curses David continually as he goes, throwing stones at him and kicking up dust against him. David writes about this in Psalm 3. He writes, O Lord, how many are my foes, How many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. To all human appearances, it looked like these people were right. For though David was king of Jerusalem, king of Israel, he fled like a defeated man away from Jerusalem. We should not underestimate the importance of leaving Jerusalem behind. Besides being the royal city of the king, it was also the dwelling place of God. David left behind the ark in Jerusalem. For the covenant people in the Old Testament, the Lord was where the ark was. In the eyes of many, David was leaving the Lord behind. They thought the Lord was no longer with him. Compare David's journey out of Jerusalem with that of the Lord Jesus Christ. He too left Jerusalem behind with great sorrow. Judas had betrayed him. His disciples had forsaken him. Israel's religious leaders were against him and they led all the people to call for his crucifixion. Our Lord left Jerusalem carrying a cross. He went out, being reviled and scorned by the people. But most important of all, he went out of the city of God. In the eyes of the people, there was no help for him in God. They thought that since he was being led away to his crucifixion, it must mean that God was not with him. Love, there's one more thing that needs to be noted in the the comparison between David and our Lord Jesus Christ. David's departure from Jerusalem 
was a result of his own sin. It's a result of the curse the Lord had brought on him when he sinned by taking Bathsheba as his wife and killing her husband, Uriah. Because of the sin, the Lord had told David, the sword would never depart from his house, that he would raise up evil against him from within his own household. Thus, David's sorrowful trek from Jerusalem was because of his own sin. But that's different with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord was without sin. He had never broken any of the commandments of God. And yet he had to suffer. As Isaiah says, he was pierced because of our transgression. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Well, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our Lord had to drink from the cup of suffering for our sake. He had to bear the burden of God's wrath to deliver us from our sins, to restore us in our relationship with God. We've seen how Jesus, just like David, had to make a difficult journey out of Jerusalem. But we've not yet examined the reasons why it was necessary for Jesus to die outside the city. This is made clearer to us when we look at the regulations surrounding the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a sacred feast held once each year in Israel. On it, the high priest went into the holy place to make atonement for the sins of the people. On this day, a special ceremony was held involving two goats. The one was offered by the priest as a sacrifice to the Lord. The blood of the goat was taken by the high priest and sprinkled in front of and on the mercy seat in the holy place. <coughs> This was to cleanse the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of all their transgressions and sins. The second goat was a live goat. The high priest was to lay on his hands, to lay his hands on the head of this live goat, and to confess over it all Israel's iniquities and transgressions and sins. Then this goat was sent into the wilderness by the hands of a suitable man. Leviticus 16.22 says, The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. <coughs> this goat, a scapegoat, laden with the sins of God's people, was banished. It was sent out into the wilderness to die there. Jesus himself bore the people's sins as that goat did. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For our sake God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just as the goat laden with the people's sins had to be led outside the camp to die in the wilderness, 
So Jesus, laden with our sins, had to die outside the camp. This is made explicit in our scripture reading from Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 verse 11 speaks about how the bodies of the animals offered up as atonement sacrifices were brought outside the camp to be burned with fire. Verse 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Thus we see how the Lamb of God, bearing our sins, is led outside the gate, outside the city of Jerusalem. This happens because Jerusalem is the city of the temple, of the dwelling place of God. Jerusalem is a city where God dwells in the midst of his people. It's the holy city. And he who bears our uncleanness and defilement has no place with God in his city. As Christ goes through the gate of the city to Golgotha, he is, as it were, excommunicated. He's expelled from the presence of God, excommunicated from the people of God, cut off from the land of the living. He goes out of Jerusalem bearing the curse of our sins on his shoulders. Beloved, our text says that Jesus bearing his cross went out of the city. Now, the heaviest burden that Christ bore was not the physical weight of the cross itself. It was the burden of God's wrath against our sins. Our God is a holy God who cannot stand sin. Our God is a righteous God who requires that sin committed against him be punished with the most severe punishment of body and soul. Christ suffered immensely on the road of sorrows, on the way to the cross. <coughs> For unlike that dumb goat, our Lord knew how angry his father was with all the sins that we have committed. Leaving behind the city of God, the Lord Jesus felt the curse of God resting on him. He went out of the city to the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. The Latin word for this place is Calvary. When John wrote his gospel, this must have been a well-known place. But we don't know much about it anymore today. Perhaps this place was called the Skull because it was a hill that looked like a skull. John tells us in verse 20 that the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. As such, the Romans considered an excellent place for crucifixions to take place. For crucifixions were public affairs. The Romans used them as an example to deter others from committing similar crimes. And so Jesus went out of the city to a place nearby where he was publicly humiliated with a shameful death on the cross. Beloved, on that first Good Friday some 2,000 years ago, our day of atonement finally came. Here the greatest sacrifice of all ages is made. Our Lord has made sin for us that we might share in the righteousness of God through him. He bore the wrath of God against our sins that we might be reconciled with him. 
He has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. Christ has made it possible for us to live in fellowship with God. It's through his atoning sacrifice that we can enter God's holy presence with joy and thanksgiving. In our first point, we see how Christ bore his cross outside the gate. In our second point, we'll see how we are to take up our cross and to follow him. At different places in the Gospels, we read of Jesus' call to his followers. Take, for example, Matthew 16, 24. There Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, obviously, Jesus is not calling for us to physically take a cross on our back. He is not calling for us to bear the weight of our sins in order to try and make payment for them. But Jesus is calling us to follow him on the pathway of salvation, even though it may cost us much sorrow and pain. What does it mean to take up our cross and follow Jesus? It means that we have to be willing to suffer the shame that Christ underwent for our sake. Christ was banished from the city of God. He went forth outside the gates. He was cut off from the land of the living. From a Jewish point of view, Jesus was classified with the blasphemer and the Sabbath breaker who were to be stoned outside the camp. The official charge by which the Sanhedrin had Jesus condemned was a charge of blasphemy. Our Lord suffered great shame in bearing his cross outside the camp. And we need to be prepared to suffer shame for his sake. The author of Hebrews speaks about that in Hebrews 13. Verse 13 says, Therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. What that means, beloved, is that we do not only share in the benefits of Christ's sacrifice and death, we also need to bear the consequences of being Christians. We know Christ was despised for our sake. He bore the hatred of men and the wrath of God for us. Going to Jesus outside the camp means that we may have to become outcasts for Christ's sake. It means we have to be ready to bear the abuse he endured. The Hebrews to whom this letter was written suffered much abuse and ridicule for the sake of Christ. In Hebrews 10, the verses 32 and 33, the author of this letter reminds them about how they had formerly endured a great struggle. He says that they were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. The Hebrews had suffered insults, the seizure of property, even imprisonment for Christ's sake. And the writer of Hebrews calls them to endure in the midst of their suffering. He encourages them not to give up. For part of being a Christian is being willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus. We need to be prepared to endure suffering for the name of our Savior. The Christian faith which we profess is a faith that this world despises. Who can believe in a man crucified as a criminal 
a failed king, excommunicated from the people of God. Who can believe in this outcast left to hang outside the gate? The Hebrews to whom this letter was written were ridiculed by Jews and Gentiles alike. What kind of religion did they have? They didn't bring sacrifices. They didn't have an altar. Yet the author of Hebrews makes it plain that it's not true. We have a sacrifice. Jesus Christ and him crucified. We have an altar. Golgotha. There the one sacrifice for sins was made. Once for all. There's another reason why the followers of Christ are often reviled and mistreated. It is because the Christian faith is exclusive. The Bible makes it clear there is only one way to be saved. By faith in Jesus Christ. There are not many roads to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Further, the Bible teaches that in response to God's grace in Christ, he wants us to live thankful and holy lives. The Bible teaches that there is right and wrong. It condemns many of the sinful attitudes and practices that have become normal in our society. People cannot stand to be told that they're doing wrong. And so they oppose Christianity and everything it stands for. They ridicule and oppress Christians. Taking up our cross and following Jesus means we need to be prepared to take a stand for Christ and for the truth, even when that's unpopular in our society. We need to realize, beloved, we're only exiles and sojourners on earth. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 14, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. We should not be making this life and the pleasures and blessings we enjoy into the ultimate thing. Instead, we are to direct our hearts to where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Beloved, when we think of suffering and of bearing abuse for Christ's sake, we often think about suffering at the hands of unbelievers. But it can happen that pressure comes to us from within the church. I'm thinking about negative peer pressure. Young people, how often don't you feel pressured to do things because they're cool? You want to fit in with your friends. So at times you do stupid things. Things that later you're ashamed of. Why? Don't you know of the suffering and of the abuse that your Lord has taken on his back for you? Why give in to peer pressure from friends? Are you scared to take a stand for Christ? 
Are you scared because you might have to suffer some mocking or reviling for being too straight? In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the writer of Hebrews encourages us with these words. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to let go of the things that hinder us from a wholehearted service of God. Hebrews 13, verse 15, describes the sacrifices that God desires from us. He desires that we continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Beloved, we have a wondrous salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him we have the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. What a great gift of grace. Let us rejoice in it. Let us give thanks to God with songs of praise. For God delights in hearts that praise Him for the love that He has shown us at Golgotha. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ bore His cross as He walked the pathway of suffering. He carried the burden of all our sins on His shoulders as He walked out of the gate of Jerusalem. He went outside of the camp just like the scapegoat did on the Day of Atonement. Christ was excommunicated from the people of God, cut off from God himself, banished from the land of the living. He suffered and died at Golgotha for us. It's because of this that we may rejoice today. Christ has paid the price to restore us in our relationship with God. Because of his redeeming work, we may be part of the people of God. By his blood, we may enter the gates of the holy city, the new Jerusalem that is to come. Let's take up our cross and follow Jesus. Let's follow him on the pathway of life. Jesus told us that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. There are many temptations that can distract and divert us from this pathway of life. For Christ's sake, we may have to suffer mocking and reviling and, a, and even persecution. But our goal is to obtain that crown of life. Christ has opened the way for us to share in life with God forevermore. Through him we may enter the new Jerusalem. We may share in all the blessings of life, now and forevermore. Amen.